Hello, welcome to the Girl I Slept in My Makeup podcast by three sisters who live in three different states who are excited to talk to each other and also to learn and grow alongside of each of you. My name is Megan. I'm Kristen. And I'm Lauren. Hey, sisters. Hi. Well, we're back. We're back. (laughs) Here we are. We're just, you know, surviving, taking it day by day and distracting ourselves a little bit. So we're excited to have a guest today and learn all about Christina Lane. If you don't know Christina, she is a best-selling four times over cookbook author and a 10-year blogger at dessertfor2.com. She's been featured on the Today Show, QVC, Martha Stewart, and I think you were recently on Food Network. Did I make that up, Christina? I recorded some videos for Food Network's new app called Food Network Kitchen back in Ooh, So yeah. cool. I'm That's awesome. To keep working with them, but thank you for the sweet intro. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for joining us. I wanted to start out because I've known you just personally for maybe, I don't even know, a couple years. And I really don't know you that well and like how you got started in your career and all of that. So I wanted to just open up the floor and ask for you to tell us more about you. Where did you grow up? What was your childhood like? And like, what are you always interested in cooking? Yeah. So I grew up in Texas, born and raised. Um, But then I decided to move to California for graduate school. Um, I come from a long line of farmers. My father's family were tobacco farmers in the Carolinas. And my mom's family were cotton farmers in Texas. But I didn't realize until senior year of college that I wanted to go into farming. So I had to go get another degree to be employable. So I went to UC Davis and I had a great experience. I met my husband in California. We fell in love out there, decided to get married. And right when we had an appointment to go design my engagement ring, he found out his job was being moved to the Midwest. And we thought, okay, well, that's good. That's closer to family. Both of our families were in the South. Yeah. We moved there. We lasted through five Midwest winters. (laughs) Um, My husband's from LA. And like I said, I'm from Texas. So neither of us can drive in the snow. So we did not do well in the Midwest winter. Yeah. We decided to move back to Texas, and I'm really happy to be here. That's awesome. I did not grow up in food per se. Um, my great aunt, though, did have a restaurant in downtown Dallas called Rosa's Blue Bonnet Sandwich Shop. Oh, and so cute. Yeah, it was really called Rosie's Burgers by anybody who knew about it. And it was kind of a secret place because only she and my grandmother ran it. So they really didn't need any more business, but it was definitely a spot to go to. Like Mickey Mantle used to go and love it. And what John Henley of Eagles lives in the area and was really good friends with Rose. And he would always promote her restaurant whenever he was doing a concert in Dallas. And she would say, please stop. We cannot handle any more business. <laughs> um, so I spent summers in her kitchen just taking orders, but I was never allowed to cook anything or touch any food. Like the women in my family are very controlling in the kitchen. And so I grew up around <laughs> good food, but not so much like being able to cook it. So I had to, I had Interesting. to find my own kitchen. That's so cool. We'll have to ask our dad if he has heard of it because he, he's originally from New Orleans, but he moved to Dallas. How old was he, y'all? Like 12? 
or eight. Okay. Yeah. So he grew up in Dallas. Our mom did as well. So we'll have to ask our grandma and um, our dad if they heard of it. That's so cool. He's on Greenville. So I'm sure they've heard of it. Oh yeah, for sure. Our parents' first date was at the The Grape, Grape, which I think is on Lovers. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's still there, but kind of reminds me of that. Just like family owned restaurant. I just want to double point out, like your resume is amazing. You've done some really amazing things. So kind of walk us through from where you just ended and then how you were inspired to do what you're doing today and kind of just tell our listeners a little bit more about what exactly you do do. Okay. So I was in grad school when I was in California and I was used to working all day long. So I would go to class all day And then I would come home at night and have homework. And then any spare moment I spent working on my thesis. And I just did that for so long. You know, I went to grad school right after college. So I was just in work mode that when I finally graduated and got a job, I found I had so much extra time on my hands and I didn't really know what to do with myself because I would go to work at 7 a.m. And then I would get off at 3.30 And I had the whole rest of the afternoon. And that's a whole other workday to me is 3.30 to 10 p.m. Mm -hmm. So I was reading food blogs. I was reading The Pioneer Woman and Steamy Kitchen and Simply Recipes. And I thought, I want to have a food blog. But I wanted to do something that nobody else was doing. So I thought really hard about what my niche could be. And at the time, I was living far away from my mom and Every Sunday in Texas, my parents would have the whole family over for a Sunday lunch. And I would call from California and say, what did you guys have today? <laughs> and what dessert was. And one day my mom said, oh, I made a Texas chocolate sheet cake. It was really good. And I was like, oh, I want one. But I don't, I don't need a giant tray of cake because I'll eat the whole tray. Mm-hmm. So I had these little ramekins in my kitchen. And I thought, well, I'm just going to scale down chocolate cake and do Texas chocolate sheet cake for two. So I could have one ramekin now and one ramekin later. And I just kept doing that. My mom would say what she made for Sunday dessert, and then I would make a small batch version so I could feel like I was enjoying it with them. And then I finally realized this is what my blog should be. You know, I'm single, and there's other people who are single or married without kids or empty nesters who don't want to cook for a lot of people that I thought I could really fill a void for small batch cooking and small batch dinners. So I settled on starting my blog and calling it Dessert for Two. This was in 2010. And there were a few blogs around. I would say blogging really started in 2006, but there weren't a lot of us in 2010. And we all knew each other. Once a year, we would get together at a conference, usually in San Francisco. And we would all talk about blogging and where it was going. And back then, blogging was all about originality of recipe and quality of writing. It wasn't about photos at all. Yeah. And so we all knew each other and just kind of leaned on each other. And then we saw this big expand and we saw the invention of Pinterest and how we could get more people to our site with Pinterest. And so we have really shifted. I'm really proud of our blogging community. We have created a job out of thin air. You can't go to college for this. You can't even plan and so I so I started in 2010, and at the end of 2013, I got my first book deal. And wow. I was newly married, and my husband was like, well, you need to focus on this. I think you should quit your job 
and write your book. And I thought, that's scary, but I knew I could always go back. I knew I could always fall back on my education. And I loved my job. I loved who I worked with. I loved being in agriculture. It felt amazing to grow food and feed people. But I thought, this is a once in a lifetime chance. So I quit my job and wrote my book. And as soon as I finished that book and turned it in, the pre-sales were so huge on it. It was called Dessert for Two that I got another book offer. Wow. And so I just, I've never, I didn't go back to work. I've been doing this since 2013, end of 2000, 2013. And my husband joined me in 2018. So yeah, this has been an unexpected career path for us. Yeah, that's the best. So you just mentioned so many sweet spots. I think about entrepreneur, as, as you know, we're doing an entrepreneur series that we're finally picking back up on. And so it's so nice to do this with you. But um, I just want to point out and reiterate a couple things that really stood out to me. First is that you said that you kind of filled the gap of a need in the market. And I think that for any industry, that is such a important tip and that you went into something doing what many others were already doing and you didn't let that stop you. But instead, you evaluated, it sounds like you kind of looked at the full picture and said, where can I fill this void that there's a niche that I can really hone in on? And obviously it, it worked for you. So that's super cool and such a great story. And then I want to talk about your book deal. So that's, first of all, that's a huge deal. Congratulations. Thank you. And tell us a little bit more about that. How did you get that first book deal, what kind of went in behind the scenes and did you use a publisher or was it self-published? Give us all the deets on that. I love to talk about this because I think I misled you and said I got a book deal. I found my book deal. I sought this out on my own. I went and found an agent that I wanted to work with. I really don't believe in working directly with publishers. I feel like an agent helps you get the best deal. They help you They help you with your contract and make sure it's beneficial for you for the long term. So I went out and I found an agent first. And once I found an agent that I connected with, she was in New York, um, we put together the book proposal. And we shopped it around for, I think, six to eight months. Um, and shopping around a book deal looks like you almost make a presentation and it has a table of contents, it has an introduction, and in my case, mine had a few food photos. So I was enticing to a food publisher because I could develop recipes, write my content, and take my photos. Typically in cookbook deals, there's a provision for food photographer, but in my case, I was kind of a package deal. So I was really enticing to them. And the publisher that I ended up connecting with is part of Norton, it's Countryman Press, and they had been brainstorming and they wanted to do a Cooking for Two series. So I just kind of walked in the door right at the time that they were looking for somebody, but there was so much preparation to get to that point. There was so much learning about the publisher field or the publishing field and talking to people in my field about what to expect as a first-time author. Wow. That's really interesting. I didn't realize... That when you, I guess maybe there's multiple ways, but I didn't realize when you're shopping, I guess, to do a book deal that the book wasn't written yet. It's more just an idea. Is that, mm -hmm. did I understand that right? Yes. I had a full table of contents though. I generally knew what I wanted to do. Okay. And gotcha. Had I signed with a different publisher, they could have changed and said, no, we want you to do all cakes or all chocolate desserts. 
but I really connected with Norton because they wanted my vision and my ideas. They challenged very, very little about what I wanted to do. They just seemed so easy to work with. And they have been. I, I, I published all four books with them and it's been a really great experience. That's awesome. So cool. What are the names of your four books? You told us the first one was Desserts for Two, right? Yes. The second one is Savory. So it's called Comfort and Joy Cooking for Two. The third one is Sweet and Simple Dessert for Two. And those are all recipes that have 10 ingredients or less, just super simple, easy desserts for two. And my fourth one that came out uh, two years ago is called Dinner Just for Two. So I did dessert, savory, dessert, savory. That's cool. awesome. Yeah. And you mentioned something else that I wanted to point out is that you said at some point, so let us know when that was in the process in this or in the whole journey, but that you now work with your husband. And so share with us, if you will, a little bit more about that and what he does with the company and how you guys kind of decided what roles you would take on and just your experience working together with a husband. Yeah, it's been amazing to work with him. It's been a true test of our friendship and our commitment to each other because it just, it works so well. It's almost baffling. I mean, from the (laughs) days that we were dating, I would bounce ideas off him and tell him ideas I had for recipes or you know, what I wanted to do with my brand. And he, he believed in my platform from day one. I think we had gone on a couple dates and he, he saw me early in the day working on my blog and he, he thought, or he said, wow, you're really committed to this. And I said, yes, this is what I want to do. And I told him my vision and he bought in right then. He's always believed in dessert for two to the big, to date. He's my biggest supporter. He supports me when I doubt me, when I say, I don't know how far this is going to last. Like he always backs me up and he's such a fan of it. When I brought him on in 2018, I really needed help with managing the accounts. I mean, he does my bookkeeping, he does my receipts and my tracking and he gets everything to the CPA. I see myself as a creative and dealing with paperwork really bogs me down. So him taking that off my plate has been amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, He actually took a course to learn video editing because back in 2018, our ad agency was telling us video work. You need to have a video for every recipe. So he taught himself how to shoot and edit video. He did video for me for a long time. Um, He manages some of my partnerships. Like when I work with a brand or get sponsored, he will help me through that. But overall, he's just a big sounding board. I mean, any time of day I can go to him with something about the business and He'll talk it through with me in any direction that I want to talk it through and he, he will support me. That's so cool. That I feel like cool. I have a couple. It's like you hear that it's not good to work with your spouse, but then I actually personally have a couple friends that work with their spouse and it's amazing. So that's really cool and a testament to you too as an individuals as well. Yeah, it's it's so good that he, you know, I don't think it is every day that even if even if you get a long gray and your partner's your biggest cheerleader, a lot of times just skill set wise, it doesn't always end up where, you know, it sounds like he possesses the qualities and skills that really complement you well. And so how nice it is to be able to hand over those really important pieces of a business to somebody that you you trust so much, you know. So that's really, really cool. Is there anything Throughout the process, though, 
that you, it sounds like it's all been positive, which is awesome. But was there any hiccups along the way, whether it was trying to decide what responsibilities to take, or have you guys ever entered into any type of conflict that you were able to push through and overcome that might be helpful to share with listeners that possibly are going through the same thing or could help them to avoid making the same quote air quote mistake or and and if you can't think of anything with your husband I guess just in the in your journey so far in general with the business I can't think of a specific conflict that we've had Mm -hmm. but I think that's because we have very clearly defined roles I'm the creative and I produce the content and he guides other things and gives me ideas on how best to promote it and I trust him and I go with it because I know that I'm not good at that and he is. Mm-hmm. So I think we have a lot of we have a lot of respect for each other. We always say respect is a huge part of our relationship working together or not. We just we respect each other's opinions and there's there's a lot of letting go and knowing that the other one knows the best way to do it. Yeah. We talk about everything. We talk everything through. We talk everything to death almost when it comes to (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. So respect over communication. And it sounds like uh, a clear, defined roles in staying in your lane and respecting that. So that's all really great tips. Yeah, for sure. Kind of going back to when you were saying how blogging changed with it used to not need as much photography. And I don't know if you said this already. Did you take photography classes or how did you kind of transition from needing so many more photos? Because I know currently I follow you on Instagram and look at your blog and you have amazing photos. So I was just kind of curious what that transition was like for you, if it was simple or it was like a learning curve. Oh, thank you so much. I am self-taught. In the beginning, we had a blog conference every year, and at all of those conferences, there was always a session on photography because we knew we needed to get better at it, and I did a lot of workshops and just practice. There was, right before I got my book deal, there was a time where I said, I'm going to photograph everything I eat all day long because the more photos you take, the better you get. So every 10,000 photos you take, you kind of level up as a photographer, so I remember I would pause before I'd eat my breakfast and I would take my plate over to the window (laughs) and I would practice styling it and take a picture, even though the picture didn't go anywhere. The picture didn't mean anything. It was me practicing food styling and food photography. And then I would edit my photos at the end of the day and kind of reflect on where I was going. Do you enjoy that part of the process, the photography? I do. It's stressful though. Um, (laughs) I follow so many people who are amazing photographers and I have so many friends that are so, so talented that it's easy to compare myself. And I just remind myself that I'm here for the masses and they're here for my small scale recipes that can't be found anywhere else. If there's a really pretty photo, great. If there's an okay photo, that's fine too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And then now, you know, you said you guys moved back to Texas and you guys started a family Um, with starting a family just because, you know, I have small kids too and work full time and I know how hard it can be and like having your own business on top of it. I was just kind of curious, like how you've, I kind of hate this question and like, (laughs) how do you balance mom life? Because I don't really know that there's actual balance to it, but I was just kind of curious 
kind of how you guys as a family balance running your own business from home and having two adorable children. (laughs) Thank you. To be honest, I never feel like I have enough time to work ever. Yeah. Um, There are days when the kids are extra needy and throw a lot of tantrums. And I think, what did I used to do with my life before these kids? Like I used to have 13 (laughs) hours a day to work. I think that all the time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like what did I accomplish before I had kids when I had all day to work versus what do I accomplish now? And I really believe that moms are the, like one of our superpowers is multitasking and for sure, I feel like because my blocks of time to work are so minimal, I'm hyper-focused and I get it done. I write everything down. I have an old school planner. I don't use my phone for anything. I make a to-do list every Monday morning and I'm so focused on crossing things off that I get through it. And it makes me think those days when I didn't have kids, when I had 13 hours a day to work, I wasn't getting the same amount done that I am now. It kind of calms me down, but I definitely have panic attacks about, I wish I had more hours in the day. And yeah, it just, it gets to be too much sometimes, but I I love my kids. I don't know what I would do without them. I mean, they're everything, but I, I have some longing for the days when I had all the time in the world to work. So I don't think I'm doing great at the mom work, mom life, work life balance at all. Oh, no, I'm sure you're doing better than you think. I think every mom is super hard on themselves with that. So definitely don't be hard on yourself. I think, like you said, blocking off time is the most helpful because then you know kind of when you can work and when you are not working. And then I think I get sidetracked with like when I'm with my kids, I'll get distracted by something work related. And so I've been trying to, you know, be better about that. But no, I'm sure you're better at it than you think. It's just a lot. But (laughs) and I think too, it forces what I kind of hear you saying is since having kids, and I can relate to this too, it forces you to become a lot more efficient with your time Mm -hmm. because it's so limited. So in those blocks of time that is designated for work, it forces you to just hone in and try for as many or as little distractions as possible. But, and also I think in a perfect world too, the time blocking thing just allows us to be a lot more present, whether that's a block of time that's designated for our kids uh, or for work or for our spouses. I think that's the ideal goal, but let's be real. We're all, (laughs) it's, it's not easy. And, but I can, you can obviously tell just from your success and your following and the quality of your work that you're doing things right. So bravo. (laughs) Thank you. And the last, year or two, we've had to hire out a lot of stuff. I have a team. I have a lot of help these days. Oh, good. Yeah, That's awesome. What do you have? What did you first outsource for? We always ask that. <laughs> yeah. VA, I have a virtual assistant for social media. So awesome. This is like an ongoing thing and there's a whole algorithm to it that I don't have time to understand and I don't have time to make eye-catching long pins that perform well on Pinterest. So I hired out somebody to manage my Pinterest and my Facebook, and that's been really great. Um, We hired, after that, we hired out videography because while my husband and I can knock out two to three videos in a day, it just, the amount of hours it took to do that didn't end up paying off. So 
we, I went to high school with this guy and I did not know I went to high school with him until I met his wife. It was such a a weird, weird story, but, um, he now, he lives in Little Rock, Arkansas, but his family lives here and he comes once a month and we try to shoot as many videos in a day as possible. We'll usually do like five to seven videos and then he edits and gets them all ready for me. That's awesome. That's really good. I recently started hiring out some help with photography and I'm not quite ready to let go of that. I've learned that I need to, but I'm not quite ready to hand over the reins. So we're experimenting with allowing somebody else to take photos. Gotcha. Yeah, that's hard, but I'm sure it'll be worth it for the extra time because I feel like photography would take up a lot of your time, with, especially with food, because a good photo changes everything <laughs> when when it comes to food. That's what we've learned like, working at Favor. We have food photography to like featured on the app. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't look appetizing, like nobody's going to click on it. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so I get it. And then I know you created like a puree. Didn't you do an online book for purees for kids? Yes. I shared so much of my daughter on social media when she was starting on solids and she was just a crazy, amazing eater. She was the kid eating her broccoli fist after fist, stealing Brussels sprouts out of my bowl. She was just such a great eater that so many people asked me to create a baby food book. So I did it as an ebook for sale on my website because it's not for two. It's not my true brand, but I still wanted to fill the need that was being asked of me. So I created that and I was feeling all amazing about how, how easy it is to feed kids. And then I had my son and he does not eat a thing that I put in front of him. (laughs) The method is flawed. (laughs) Well, that makes me feel better because I have one good eater and one not. And sometimes I'm like, I think it's just personality because Rowan just won't. She just, she's like, no, no, she won't even try things. So frustrating. I did the same thing for both kids and one eats well and one does not eat. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that'll make all the moms feel better. So it's all good. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. What do you think like, you know, writing your blog and having your books for how many years now? I guess you said since 2010, So 10 years, what kind of keeps you going, keeps you like inspires you today? You know, I really just love what I do. I know that's so silly, but I think it's so cool to make four cupcakes instead of 24 cupcakes. It just, it makes me so happy to have small portion control desserts. And I just really believe deep down that that's the future of the way we should be eating and baking. And that baking has this gluttonous just idea around it. But when we do small desserts, we can enjoy dessert more often without all of the leftovers. And it just, it, I just really, really believe it with my whole heart. Um, so I guess my passion keeps me going. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I think I that's do. true because I throw away, we got so many sweet treats delivered to us recently with everything we have going on. And I feel horrible, but I threw away so many because it was just too much. So (laughs) yeah, I like the way that you said that too. I feel like baking does have a gluttonous reputation maybe. And I know I'm not, I, I um, admire bakers because I, I love to cook food, but um, sweets, I am not good at cooking and I've never taken the time to get good at it. However, 
the few times that I have, I'm always one of those, not so much during COVID, but before it, it's like I would make a banana bread and keep like three slices for ourselves and then go deliver the rest of it to a neighbor, (laughs) which is, which is nice to be able to do. But I love your idea of there's just three of us in my family. And so I just love this idea. And so I know I'm not the only one. I did want to ask you, Christina, to back up a little bit whenever you were talking about the first thing that you chose to outsource was a virtual assistant. Do you mind sharing with us and our listeners what route or maybe different areas that you or outlets, I guess I should say, that you looked into hiring from and then where you ended up going from? Because I know I've looked, my husband and I looked into this, it was last year, but, and we were actually looking overseas. So I'm curious to know, are, is your virtual assistant here or overseas? One of them is here and one of them is in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. I found them both through other bloggers. Bloggers are still a big sorority and we're all friends behind the scenes and we talk all the time. We actually all have these private Facebook groups where we can share information. And so every three or four months, someone will post, I'm looking for a VA who's great with Pinterest and people will drop their recommendations. And then I just sorted through and interviewed a few and then just ask some friends who were working with them, you know, were they great to work with? And I've I've been through a few. It hasn't been a match on the first try for any of them, but you know, they've served me well for the time that they were with me. And when they were no longer serving me or I disagreed with some of the Pinterest practices, then I moved on to the next one. Yeah. That's really helpful information, I think. And that's so cool that you guys have that community and it sounds like really support one another. So that's really great to hear. And I also love you sharing that when it, when it was working, it was working. And, but when it wasn't, it doesn't sound like you hesitated to make a move. And I think that's a great tip too, just for, for entrepreneurs who, not only just with kind of, I think, contract employees, but also once you get to a point, if you have internal employees too. So anyway, I love that. And I'm curious just from somebody who's kind of not in the know when it comes to cookbooks and in the food industry, but what would you say makes your cookbooks stand apart from others that are on the market? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I think besides the obvious, because I think they stand out because they you have the recipes smaller for sure. Yeah. I think I have a really unique palate because I am Texan and I love barbecue and fried food. That's my love language. But living in California for so long taught me about where food comes from and what it should taste like. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I went to a farmer's market in California And I brought all my food home and it lasted in the fridge for over two weeks. And I didn't know why. And it was because it was so fresh. It came from the field to me that day. And California just really opened my eyes to how food should taste and how it should be grown and transported. And I just fell in love with Deborah Madison out there. And I I spent my eight years there eating. We, We went all over the state from the very north border to the very south border all I did was eat everything was just delicious I really do miss California food but I think when you combine Texan and California you get a really unique flavor profile Mm, that's a good point my most recent cookbook dinner just for two has a lot of vegetarian options 
And I really think that's a testament to my love of vegetables that I get from California. Yeah. Are there any vegetables that, that come to mind quickly that differ? Like what's something that they have in California that isn't as common in Texas? Oh, just salad greens. Um, I used to buy endive from this guy at the farmer's market that he, all he sold was mushrooms and endive and huh. they both grow in the dark. So this was just his basement operation. The endive was so fresh. I would bring it home that day and I would chop it up and put a local fig balsamic vinegar on it and a little bit of local olive oil, salt and pepper and eat it. And it was just the most fresh tasting thing ever. Wow. Uh, my I mouth is like watering. Yeah. I'm like, wait, I'm not really hungry now. And I don't, and I don't even know what endive is. I'm assuming <laughs> it's a type of lettuce. It is. It's like a okay. conical lettuce that grows in the dark only. So it's wow. white, but it's so fresh. I, I fell in love with pomegranates out there. I'd never seen a pomegranate till I moved out there. I used to have an avocado tree near my house and I had a citrus tree. Like I just had no idea food growed like that. I know it's so silly, but in Texas it's all yeah. little. And then just to have a tree in my yard that I can go pull an orange off of to make a quick mimosa was so amazing to me. Yeah. yeah. I love the idea of that. That is amazing. That brings up or sparked a thought in my mind, and this is probably an impossible question, but do you have like a favorite recipe from each of your books <laughs> or do you love them all? I, oh, you know, the one I cook from the most is sweet and simple because it is simple and it's 10 ingredients or less. And that's really how I cook. I have never tried to scale down any recipe that is like overly ornate. My stuff is just really basic, simple stuff. So when I'm cooking from sweet and simple. I'm making basic things like a small batch of chocolate chip cookies or blender chocolate pudding for two. I, I just want something quick and easy that doesn't use a lot of dishes. As, yeah. for, as for dinner just for two, I love that book so much because I really focused on leftovers and weight and food waste. That's something that's really common when you're cooking for two. You buy a whole pound of ground beef or you buy a whole can of beans and most, you know, some of it will go to waste because you're only cooking for two, but I made the recipe index cross-reference each other. So if you have leftover herbs or anything left over, you can go find other recipes to use it up. Oh, cool. That book also has a chapter called Cook Once, Eat Twice. So you can roast a whole chicken, which I know that sounds intimidating, but I spatchcock a chicken, which is where you cut out the backbone and press it flat. And it's just like cooking regular chicken. There's something way less intimidating about it. Huh. And then I have three recipes to use up all the meat, three chicken dinners for two to use the meat from one roasted chicken. So I really like that concept. That's how I'm cooking right now personally, because I just, life is crazy. And so I really can only cook about every other day. So I try to cook once and use the components twice. Nice. That's so cool. And I can attest because I, we follow you on Instagram. And like I said before, I'm not a baker, but you happened to post a picture of, I think it was banana chocolate chip muffins. Mm -hmm. And I had bananas that were going bad, which is a common theme in my household for some reason. And so I, it, it just, it looked so easy. I was like, Ooh, this looks totally doable. And I have all the ingredients already in my house. And so I whipped them up and they were a huge hit and oh. I even shared, and you know what? I think it made six, which I think most mm -hmm. recipes 
make 12. And so that was perfect because um, it was enough for us. And then my, my son had some friends over and they got to enjoy them too. So <laughs> oh, thank you for making them. Yeah. Thank you. I'm always, I enjoy cooking, but Oh, you know what? This is a good question. I think so for people, I would imagine even people who do love, love to cook and bake you, I'm not alone. And where I feel like I go through seasons of inspiration. So for example, right now I'm in a very low inspired season for cooking anything. Do you have any, I guess, encouragement or inspiration? I, I would or say one response would already be look at your, the one, the simple cookbook where it's just not intimidating, but do you have any other encouragement for us out there that we just need a little fire lit under us? <laughs> I would say start with Sunday supper. Start making yourself a really nice Sunday dinner because you have time on Sunday and you deserve it. And the leftovers on Monday will make you in a great mood. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that's really good. And who like wants that. to cook on a Monday anyway? Yeah. <laughs> I could do that once a week. I'm like the worst. I don't know if I should call myself the worst cook. I just don't enjoy it. So maybe if I did it just once a week, really went all out, I would maybe enjoy that. I like that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this has been such a great conversation, Christina, and you have shared just some really good tips in general, I think, about your business. And we... I've loved hearing your story and I know that there's so much more, but we like to finish each episode with a challenge. And so we would love for you to assign us our challenge for the week for us and any listeners who want to join in. So this should be a challenge for aspiring entrepreneurs, correct? Yeah. Or, or anybody. (laughs) Okay. I will share what got me through when I when I had my first baby and thought, I'm never going to have time to do this again. This was just a recurring thought in my head. I'll never have time again. My husband told me, do two things every day to grow your business. And I, I stick to that still to this day. And I do it seven days a week so that at the end of the week, I've done 14 things to help grow my business. And when you're forced to pick two things, you tend to pick the really important ones. Maybe some things get left undone. I know I have some stuff on my to-do list that I'm just not going to get to this week, but I picked the two most important things every day and got to those. And maybe by the end of the week, I'll have time for the not so important things. But when I just pick two things every day and commit to it, I'm surprised by the amount of progress at the end of a week, at the end of a month that I'm making. I like that. And that's That's really, really good. Yeah, it's good for all of us right now too, just trying to get back to our real life after, I mean, we'll just still continue to live with this tragedy for the rest of our life, losing our mom. And so I feel like that's really good advice to to me individually. It was just like, okay, because I don't really know where to start right now. So I'm like doing, I can do two things, yeah. <laughs> two things a day. So I really like that. It kind of um, transcends for all different situations. I know. And I'll just share really quick because I kind of giggled inside just now. But even so, Christina, we just moved from Virginia back to Texas and we were only in our house for six days um, when we got the call about our mom. And so we left town and came back. And anyway, so our new home 
is not put together at all. But my husband, it's funny that you said two things because my when we got back in town, my husband said, "Let's set a goal and let's hang two pictures a day, and then mm-hmm. and then <laughs> it'll be eventually get done." So, like Megan said, I think that this is a great challenge and really, really great for entrepreneurs that you'll look up and be able to feel accomplished at the end of the week. So, thank you for that. Yes. And I wanted to make sure everybody knew um, we didn't kick Kristen off of here. Something happened with her internet. So we'll have to have her next week. But I just wanted to mention that because I know she didn't speak. So yes, we lost her. (laughs) We lost her into the interwebs. (laughs) Sound like an old lady. (laughs) Well, I was just going to say, Christina, if you would please share with our listeners, because I know they're all going to be so interested and definitely want your recipes. So tell us where everybody can find you. Yeah, I am dessert for two on every major social platform and I am dessert for com. And if you accidentally type in desserts for two, it will still redirect to my site. So any iteration of that, you will find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this with us. I said this before we started recording, but Christina brought me some oatmeal chocolate power balls and I ate them all they were delicious so definitely check out all her recipes and yeah everybody have a great week thank you again Christina thank you for having me it's been great talking to y'all you too thanks see y'all next week bye bye